Well, that was awkward. You got to see all the band walk off the stage. That was different than normal, right? <laughs> but seriously, uh, as, as Christians, it feels like ever since COVID, we just have taken things a little bit too seriously. It feels like the world around us is just over-serious about everything. It's like this melancholy cloud has descended upon the United States of America. Add in that it's a election year and it is just hard to watch anything on tv and feel joy about what's going on around us and so we try to stay in like our inner circles and our inner bubbles as ways to find joy and i learned a long time ago watching the news is not something any human being should do should do on anywhere near regular basis it's just not good for our souls it's not good for our hearts and so several years ago i learned who the best news source ever possibly was and that's the babylon bee for those of you who don't know the Babylon Bee, I'm actually going to show you some articles in just a second. I need you to understand that they're not real. <laughs> the Babylon Bee is a satirical site that, honestly, they got their beginning making fun of the church and the weird things in church that happen that we need to call out, but we never do because it's just like this awkward underlying struggle that goes on beneath the scenes. But the Babylon Bee did a fantastic job of calling out all the things in the church that was wrong, but they did it in a funny way, so everybody just kind of laughed about it. Some people took it seriously because they thought it was real. Anyways, the Babylon Bee is my favorite place to get news because it makes light of every single thing that's happening in our lives. Here's three of my favorite articles recently. You'll see them on the screen behind me. The first came when the uh, baseball league started instituting a pitch count. And so to make fun of that, the Babylon Bee posted an article that says the church institutes pitch clock for worship leaders, many sermons between songs. Lisa, don't feel too triggered. <laughs> Second, I really like this article. The church is puzzled by low attendance at its sit around and talk about your feelings men's conference. <laughs> Ironically, we have to change the name of our uh, men's get together for the spring. Third, this was probably my favorite of all of them and shots fired at Rob. Church cafe offers triple espresso shots to help members stay awake through Pastor's 12-part series on Leviticus. I, th I think we might be getting close to 12 parts on Matthew now that we're, we're, we're diving right back into it. But Matthew's way more interesting than Leviticus, right? Uh, sometimes as Christians, though, we, we do get, take things a little bit too seriously. And sometimes, honestly, we get a bad reputation. And so I'm thankful that the Babylon Bee can post some some articles that can kind of make fun of us. We can make fun of ourselves and recognize some of the odd things that we do as Christians. Because we have such a bad reputation among the, uh, the general public, it's not as bad here in Lexington when you walk out, you say you're a Christian. There, there's a pretty heavy population here that claims to be the same. However, when you start to venture outside of the state of Kentucky into the places of even the United States that are a little bit less populated with Christians, there's now this stigma that comes into play when you say that you follow Jesus. People start to, to hesitate. They don't want to be around you as much because they wonder, are you the type of Christian that's okay or do we need to worry about you kind of Christian? And it's, it's true. If you travel to different parts of the United States, this is what happened. And we do this a little bit to ourselves. It's been our uh, kind of MO all throughout history. We are the same religion that had the Crusades, that uh, I think it was King Henry, the, the, was it the seventh or the eighth, that had so many great stories dealing around his religious struggles. I mean, we, we've had our struggles all throughout history. Look at it right now. You can go to Netflix and you can find a, a whole series about all the downfall of Hillsong, one of the biggest churches in the entire world. You can go to a podcast and find the downfall of Mars Hill and see all of these pastors who have fallen 
And we, we're these people that claim to follow Jesus, and yet the people that are in front of the camera most often don't present the same kind of picture. We present ourselves as people who follow Jesus, uh, but like Gandhi was quoted as saying, he just wishes he look, we looked a little bit more like Jesus than so many people that are put in front of the camera or put out on social media. And so things have just gotten a little bit too serious when it comes to being a Christian, when you look at, at the way people view us all around the world. And I think a large problem, the reason why it's even more prevalent now is because of social media. Any one of us can take our opinion and post it online, and most likely you will find people that agree with you, whether you're right or wrong. It used to be that if you were wrong, like we just kind of put you in a corner and didn't talk to you as much, and you had trouble finding people that agreed with you if you had like these weird opinions. But now with the internet, you can find all sorts of people that agree with you. If you're the, the type of person that thinks we didn't land on the moon, Google something and you can find all sorts of people that agree with you. If you're one of those people that believes in, uh, who knows, all the other little uh, strange theories that people have come up with, there are communities all around the world that suddenly agree with you. Social media has created this awesome effect, but a dangerous one as well. But I'm not just talking about the dangers of social media, I'm talking about what we see in the world all around us. There's a danger that we have as Christians about who we profess uh, and who we pretend to be, because there's people who are watching all the time. And if you are pretending to be someone that you're not, the people see you. People watching has literally become a pastime for some. I know tons of people that will go to the mall, like this mall right here, and just sit and watch people all day long. And it can be very entertaining. In fact, my wife loves Disney World. Loves Disney World more than anything uh, else on the face of this earth other than our family and Jesus. Disney's probably close third. But I love Disney World for a completely different reason. I love the people watching. And so sometimes I get distracted from watching our kids and uh, watching our family do stuff because I just see all sorts of great things when it comes to Disney World. In fact, I Googled people watching in Disney World just because I wanted to show you all some of the amazing pictures. Shocker, you can't find them to put them on a screen at a church. Not that appropriate, but that's what kind of people watching there is. You go to Disney World and you never know what you're going to see. It's like Walmart on steroids. It is absolutely crazy. And here's the problem. Because people are now watching everything, not just on social media, but they're seeing everything you do in public, we are literally, if we profess to be a Christian and people know that you are following Jesus, people see it everywhere you go. And so if you are inconsistent in anything that you say or anything that you do, people will recognize it. And so as we dive into our passage today, we're going to see that the things that we make public become very, very important and can maybe even be a little out of place depending on what it is that we're trying to do and what it is that we're trying to portray. So if you would like to, I encourage you, if you haven't already, scan the QR codes to your left and to your right. You're going to be able to follow along with all my sermon notes today. You'll be able to read the, the passages of Scripture right on your phone. You can make notes, all those great things. If you don't have a phone with you, we do have the passages up behind me. Uh, you can take notes however you see fit. But we're going to be diving back into Matthew. We've not been there for a little while now. It's been a couple months. So to catch you guys back up, we, we had just started the Sermon on the Mount last time. If you haven't seen most of that, you can go back on our website and you can find all those sermons from before. But basically, Jesus starts his grand sermon. This is maybe the most famous sermon of all time where he, he outlines the lifestyle that he wants the Jewish people to live. And he better interprets God's law for the people around him. 
For those of you who, who don't know, God's law is not just the Ten Commandments that have been famously displayed all over the, the course of our city, all over our nation, but it's a list of hundreds, literally hundreds of laws that the people were supposed to follow. Some sound crazy to us now, some don't, but the Jews were supposed to follow these to a T. And if ever you lost sight, if ever you messed up on one of these rules, you went from a state of being righteous to a state of unrighteousness. And in order to get back, you actually had the law outlined as a way of you had to sacrifice in order to get back to your righteous state. That's the way the law works. But the problem is, as we outlined before, if you're trying to follow the law, well, in order to maybe make it a little bit easier to follow, some people added some stipulations that weren't in the Bible, that weren't in the law, that weren't in the Old Testament, in order to make it a little bit more direct on what you're supposed to do. It, it took the, the ambiguity out of what the law was. It gave the very specifics. But the problem was, we just people, we like to make things more and more complicated. And so rules stacked on top of rules, stacked on top of rules, and all of the Jewish religious leaders of the time started to create their own way of doing things that started to even no longer resemble what the Bible originally taught, what the Old Testament taught them. The law started to look a little bit skewed. And so we worked all through Matthew chapter 6 in the last series that we were in Matthew. And in that segment, Jesus is trying to tell them, here's the law, here's how you've messed it up, and here's how the right way is to live it. But here, or I'm sorry, that was in chapter 5, we're now in chapter 6. And as he goes into chapter 6, he actually turns the table a little bit. Instead of trying to correct the law, he tries to give the people a little bit more of a practical way to live. And so I'm going to tell you over the next three weeks, we're actually going to be looking at one very specific thing that Jesus is trying to help all of the Jews listening to this, this sermon understand. And honestly, it's something that you can interpret throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preaches. And it's this, that God is not concerned about appearances, but about the heart. You see, so much of what the Jewish leaders added to the law was based on outward appearances. They wanted to make it look like they were following the law for everyone to see. But Jesus makes it abundantly clear at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where we're starting at today and in the future, that it's not about how you appear to be, but it's about what your heart is, what it's like, what it consumes, and what is outpouring from your heart. And so as we read the scripture today and for the next couple of weeks, keep that in mind. It's not about the appearances, it's about the heart. So let's pick up in chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what Jesus says as he kind of pivots to the more practical part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So this is exactly what I was talking about before. We want to be righteous, even today as Christians, we want to be righteous beings. The Jews wanted to live a righteous life. But the problem is they wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they lived a righteous life. And sometimes we as Christians fall on this today as well. Because I, I love it when people tell me that I'm doing a good job. Uh, I love for my wife to tell me I've done something good. I love for Rob when we're in the office to tell me that I did something good. I want people to see the things that I do that are good. And I do this on social media too. So like I did some meal prepping stuff uh, a few weeks ago and I posted it on Facebook because I wanted everybody to see that I was doing something healthy. And I wanted them to acknowledge and comment that I was doing something healthy. Or when I, I, I do the dishes or the laundry or I clean the floors at home, I am anxiously awaiting for my wife to arrive and see the glorious things that I have done and tell me how great I am. 
And then when, we, when Rob and I are working on something in the office and uh, I do a really good job on a video, I'm like, hey, Rob, look at this video. Tell me how great it is. It's just, it's, it's our nature as Christians. It's our nature as human beings. We want people to tell us how good we are. But the problem is when it comes to following Jesus, what he's trying to say is if you are showing everyone your righteousness but aren't actually righteous, then we have a problem. If you're professing to be something that you're not, then there's an issue. You need to check the intentions behind your actions. If your heart isn't where you display it to be, then we have a problem. I think one of the best things that outlines this is a video that John Chris did many, many years ago. Put, put aside what you may think about him as a human being, this video was actually kind of accurate. It did a little bit of what the Babylon Bee did when it was talking about some of the things that us Christians do. So watch this video real quick. I mean, no matter what you think about him, what he says there is a little bit true, and it's kind of what we're getting at today. The heart behind what we do is very, very important. Uh, we, we actually, Jacob just came back from a mission trip not long ago. I think your experience was maybe a little bit different from that. <laughs> However, it is true that I've been on several mission trips. Uh, I know many of you guys probably have as well. Uh, the heart behind the things we do can sometimes really miss the mark. And I hope that most of us don't think like that in the video. But that's just a, a, a crazy example of some of the truths behind the things that we do. Because even though I was joking about wanting to, you know, chase likes on social media or wanting people to acknowledge the good things I do, we do that as Christians. We, we try to show people that we're living the way that Jesus has told us to. We try to show everybody our righteousness so that they'll notice our righteousness and think of us as a righteous person. And God says that if you act like that, if your heart is in that place where you are doing something where you're chasing likes, likes chasing people who are going to acknowledge your good deeds, he says in the second part of verse 1, no reward from your Father who is in heaven will come to you. It's just not something that's going to happen because you're receiving your reward in the moment. And there is a reward. It mentions it over and over and over throughout Scripture. There's several examples. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 2 outlines a little bit of that. It says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. So truly I say to you that they have received the reward. We see this in the Old Testament as well, talking about the rewards that we might receive. In Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 10, When you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap your field right up to the edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings of your heart. And you shall not strip the vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor, for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And then he says after that, when you start to do those things, in Proverbs 19, 17, he says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. And so we see this truth outlined in Scripture over and over and over again, that whatever you reap, you will one day sow. Uh, it says again in Proverbs 22, 9, whoever has a beautiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. We're called to serve and to give. And there's a reward that comes alongside of that. It's promised over and over and over again throughout scripture that when you serve, when you give, when you take the, the leftovers of your crop and give to the people who are in need, there is a reward waiting for you. Colossians 3, verse 24 talks about a reward that is an inheritance. And this is something we are going to receive once we enter the gates of heaven. 
we have this eternal reward that is coming later. It's not really well outlined specifically what that reward looks like, but we know that it's coming later when we serve and we give to others. We're called to do it, but everything that matters around it uh, has to do with our heart. But we do need to recognize there is an eternal reward for serving others here on earth. There is something we will receive on the other side of heaven. It will happen one day. But the question is, why are we doing the things that we do? When we serve others, when we give to others, are we doing it for the reward that comes one day? Or are we doing it for the reward that happens here and now? Are we doing it for the people to praise us? Or are we doing it because we've been commanded to and we want to do what God has called us to do? Sometimes, uh, as a church, we actually do this to a fault. Uh, If you'll notice, if you look through all of our social media, you won't find really any pictures at all of us out in the community serving. It's not something we as a church want to do because of this this exact verse that says, don't let everybody see, don't sound the trumpet about all, all the ways that you serve people. Your reward is later in heaven. And so you'll notice on our Facebook page, that's just not something that we, we do. Again, maybe to a fault. But it's because we want to bless the people in the moment and it's not about the reward that our church gives. We don't want Lexington and the surrounding people to see, oh, this is a, this is a church that likes to, to give and look, look at what this great things that this church is doing. The focus is on the people that we're giving to and the blessing that's coming from God. Sure, he might use us as an instrument, but we don't want to be a sounding board for everybody to suddenly say, oh, look at the great things that Elevate's doing. No, we want to point to God and the amazing things that he's doing. And this is the heart that we're trying to chase as well. It always comes back to the heart with this. Because it's true that in the moment when you do something nice for someone, when you serve someone in some way, it does make you feel good. You will feel better when you serve. But are you chasing that as a reward, or are you chasing the eternal reward that's promised? Jesus outlines it very specifically in Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, how you should go about avoiding chasing that reward and instead focusing on, on your heart. Here's what he says. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees you will reward you. Now, when you read that, especially in English, that doesn't make a lot of sense. How in the world, I challenge any of you, do something with your right hand and make your left hand not know. I hate to tell you, they're both connected to your brain. So if your right hand does something, your left hand will know. If your left hand does something, your right hand will know. It's just how the brain operates. But I think what's lost in translation here is it's not about like the separation of your right from your left. It's about how big your circle needs to be when you're talking about the things that you're doing in life. It's not bad that people know that you've done something good, but it's, it's more about the amount of people. It's more about how many people you're chasing the reward for. Again, the heart that's behind it. Because we'll, we'll talk about this in just a second. There's several different ways that this plays out. It's more about how close your right hand is to your left hand. This is how small your circle should be in the people that know that you've done something well. Perhaps it's just the person that you've served. Perhaps it's just you and, and the people that have come with you to serve uh, the people that are around you. It should be a small number of people. Jesus says this isn't something for you to shout and go through the city streets telling everyone about. This isn't something for you to sound the horn. You shouldn't walk through the mall after you've taken somebody straight to the trash and say, look at the great thing I have done for everyone to see because everybody's just going to make fun of you if you do something like that. The goal is not to be a sounding board for everyone around us. But the problem is our culture trains us to act differently. 
Many of you have probably seen the, the show or at least heard of the show called Undercover Boss. If not, you may, maybe you know the premise behind it where uh, a CEO or somebody that's maybe on the board of any major business goes and, and tries to do like the lower level jobs and see how all the things that they've tried to instill in their workers, how it's actually playing out on the lowest levels of the business. Which always turns out funny because one, the CEOs have no clue how to run the day-to-day -day operations, but they also get to see that some people around them are not doing things they should be doing. And occasionally they get to see some people who are going above and beyond whatever they could have imagined. However, I think we do this a little bit in the church as well. Because we, we go out, we serve people, and we do good as long as other people are watching. But suddenly when the doors close and nobody's looking, are we the exact same human being? Because we have something a little bit different than the undercover bosses deal with. We have something, uh, life is slightly different for us because our boss is always watching. It says that the Lord sees the things that we do in private. My football coach in college used to say, you are who you are when the door is closed. You're the only one in the room and no one's watching. And that's the truth for us as followers of Jesus. Would you still follow Jesus if it meant that you didn't gather with a bunch of people every single day or every single Sunday? Do you spend time with Jesus when nobody's watching? When nobody else is around, what type of person are you? Where is your heart? That's one of the, the things that John Chris used to famously say over and over and over again. Check your heart. Where's your heart at? And it's true that we should do that as Christians. What's the heart behind every single thing that we do? And how does this play out on a regular basis? You know, it, it's, it's really easy to stand up here and talk about it. It's easy for us to agree with the concept of, okay, we need to serve, but we need to do it with a pure heart and not think about the rewards that we're reaping for it. Uh, God's called us to do this, and we want to be his instrument, so uh, we're going to have his pure heart behind it. Got it. Okay, good. Let's leave. Uh, some of you guys will be happy because we got like nine minutes to go left in the service. But I'm not done yet. So here's a couple ways that this actually plays out in your life. Here's a couple things that you can actually do that will help you live this out on a daily basis. And it starts with something that Rob talked about in the last series, which is practice. If you want to be good at something, practice. Rob used the example of running a marathon. I'm in the exact same boat. If I try to run a marathon right now, not going to go well. However, if I go out and try to run a short distance, I can probably accomplish that. I could start training for a marathon by taking little steps. One of my favorite apps that uh, I used to follow was called Couch to 5K. Anybody know of the app? Three of us. Awesome. That means three of us were out of shape enough to want to, like, try to run again. And what this app promised is that you could go from sitting on your couch every single day to running a 5K. And there was a slow progression that got you to do that over the course of weeks. But there was a very specific plan that got you there. Uh, every single day was laid out for you on how much you were supposed to run. And you would actually open this app and it would tell you what to do as you were doing it. And we kind of have to take that same mentality as a Christian. If all you do when you walk out the door today and go out living the rest of your life today and Monday through Saturday is say, okay, I want to do a better job at serving people and having a good heart behind it. Good luck. If you don't put a plan in place for how you're going to practice this, it's never going to happen. My band teacher in middle school used to say, practice does not make perfect, practice makes permanent. So the things that you are currently doing will become permanent in your life if you practice them. So if we want to live a life like this, where our heart is pure behind the things that we do, then we have to practice it. And we have to put a plan behind how we're gonna practice it. And maybe it starts off with, 
uh, okay, at lunch today, I'm gonna tip way above and beyond 20%. Uh, I'm gonna get, really bless this person and then I'm gonna walk out the door. Or maybe it's with somebody in your house. You're gonna go and you're gonna serve them in a specific way. Maybe it's doing the dishes, taking out the trash. Something beyond what you would normally do to bless someone in your household or a coworker at work. But you are going to make a very conscious decision to make sure they didn't know it was you that did it. That might be hard if you just live with two of you in one house, but you could do it maybe with your coworkers or something else. Put a plan into place and practice it. The second thing, find accountability. This is one of the most important things for any Christian at all to, to find in their life. You have to find accountability for the things you're doing. Like I said, I'm a person who I really, really, really like to be praised. And so uh, sometimes I wanna post something and I have learned that if there's something I want to post on Facebook or if there's something even that I want to say to people, I know there's some of us that, that aren't on social media, great. However, our mouths still do the same thing that happens on social media and we sometimes struggle with what we share with people because we want them to praise us. So find accountability. Find people who will hold you accountable of the things that you say and the things that you put out for the world to see. Uh, I have a loving wife, I have Rob, and I have thankfully the rest of our staff who helps keep me accountable of the things that I put out for the world to see. And we, they are more than happy to tell me things that should not be posted and things that should not be said, which is a blessing. You have to find people who can give you honest accountability for the things that you want to say out in public, whether it's on social media or just in the world. Third, this is radical and some of you, your eyes have not left this since it went on the screen behind me. Delete social media. I'm not saying it's for everybody. I'm not saying all of you should go delete your social media. I recognize that that is a radical statement. However, it is not a bad idea if you are the type of person that struggles with posting things online for people to see and you really enjoy getting the recognition from that, it's okay to delete social media for a day, for a week, for a month, for a season, whatever it might be, it's okay to delete it for a while. It's okay to take a break just to help keep you accountable and make sure you're not posting things so that you reap the earthly reward now. I used to do this all the time. I'll throw myself under the bus for this. If you go through my phone right now, you'll actually probably find photos of it. I used to love going to coffee shops or even at my kitchen table in the morning, laying out my Bible for what I was gonna read that day with my highlighters, and my micron pens, don't make fun of me, I like to highlight my Bible. And then I also would have my, my coffee where it was able to all be displayed in one picture for everybody to see, and I would post it on my story, and I would post it on my Instagram for everybody to see. And I'll be honest with you, I wanted, yes, people to see that I was reading my Bible and hopefully encourage them to read, but I wanted people to recognize that I was doing it. I wanted people to see it. I've done that in my own life, and I'm sure some of you can identify with that as well. And so if you are the type of person who can't control yourself from posting things that are going to give you an earthly reward for posting them uh, when it comes to the spiritual things of life, especially serving others, take a break. It's okay to delete social media for a little while. And then last, I think this is the most important of the four. Focus on the who and actually care. Because it becomes really easy not to seek a reward, not to seek praise, when you focus on the who behind your, who you're serving. When you see the face of who is getting blessed through you by way of God, suddenly things start to change. And when you actually care about the person you're serving, and it's not just something to check off a list to say that you serve somebody today, things begin to change. 
we start to actually care about the people around us and we don't worry about the rewards of what we're going to get. We don't worry about the praise that people are going to give us. It's all about what God is doing for this person and we know that this person has been blessed or this family has been blessed because of what God is doing. And I think when our heart begins to change behind this, that is when we start to change. But it takes practice. It takes finding accountability. It, it sometimes it takes removing the, the distractions, removing some of the things from our lives. And it's all about the who. It's all about the faces. It was really easy, I think, at times for Jesus to look at the people he was healing and not have to worry about any kind of recognition because he saw the need of the person in front of him. And I think when we see those people in front of us who need to be blessed and focus on them and who they are and the blessing they're receiving from God, suddenly our heart starts to change. And so I don't, I don't know which of these places that you're in today, and this is not uh, wherever the, the previous list was. This isn't an all-inclusive list. This isn't all the ways that suddenly you can fix your heart when it comes to serving others. It's just some of the things that have helped me in my life, and I'm sure you can think of ways as well. But ultimately, if you don't come up with ways for you to practice doing this on a regular basis, then we're just going to be people that continue to seek earthly rewards that nowhere near compare to what we will receive eternally. We have a promise one day of what's coming, and it is going to be far greater than anything else than we would receive here on this earth. And so that's my prayer for you guys today as we close. Um, uh, my prayer is that you will seek God, help him to purify your heart so that when you serve others, it's about them and not about you. Let me pray for you guys this morning. Lord, we are so grateful, we are so thankful that you are uh, a loving God that loves us through so many of our uh, imperfections, um, so many of our hurts. Uh, Lord, uh, I'm so glad that you continue to, to push us through so many of the things in our life that, uh, honestly, we struggle with our human side of things. We want to be praised. We, we want people to recognize the good things that we're doing. Uh, but God, I, I pray that for, for me, for our church, uh, even for the, the big C, the big church, the global church. Lord, I pray that the, the people around us would see you instead of us, uh, that you would be put forward of everything that we do as Christians and that you would be the, the purpose, that you would receive the glory, that you would receive the praise that is deserved, uh, not us imperfect humans. Thank you for loving us when we, when we fall short of that, Jesus. And it's in your son Jesus' name that I do pray. Amen.